running for legislature. I am a three-term sitting councilman in the town of Liberty, where I've served the residents for the last 10 years. I'm also a uh, member from the Charter Review Commission, uh, where we review the charter and the proper functioning of the county legislative government form, which I did for two years. So I'm not new to this to this area in that in in those regards i just felt that the time is now based after these last four years were pretty tumultuous and uh, detrimental to the county i think we had the opportunity to climb out of the hole that we find ourselves in and i think if there was a little bit more collaboration working together that could have been achieved and being that we were not able to fortify our stance Over these last four years, I just felt now was the time to see if I could lead what I feel I can do for the county in this realm. Now, rural health care access is a critical concern. What initiatives do you propose to ensure that residents in remote areas of the county have access to quality health care services? So I think obviously the, the elephant in the room being the care center and trying to privatize that. Now, from a town of Liberty resident, we were not And as a board member, we were not informed of this, being that this is one of our main job producers, even for residents of Liberty and some of the surrounding areas. I think a conversation should have been had. Also, it was done in such a rush that simple paperwork uh, wasn't filed, which made it come back onto the tax rolls, which they ended up paying an additional $375,000. So this idea of it being a cost-saving measure just doesn't line up in my book. And then there's the conversation of what type of care are we getting? We went from a a five-star facility uh, down to a four, uh, down to um, just in declining care. Obviously, we did deal with some things uh, during COVID, uh, which every business and every person dealt with. Um, And to be using that excuse of why the care center is the way it is today is just unacceptable. Um, We have people that are are forced to choose between the privatization and keeping their jobs with the county without knowing what the future holds. And then there's this idea of this overall staff crisis, which there is some areas of business within the county that is finding a a lower demand uh, as far as jobs go. But I can't say myself personally, if I was in that field, that I'd be rushing to a facility where I don't know what the future holds. So I think the proper thing to do would be take the care center back, reevaluate where we stand on supporting the needs of the people of the county. And this isn't something that uh, just came up overnight. This is something people have been paying into for county taxes for their lifetimes here. And this idea that it's costing us money, we need to get rid of it. There are services that we provide to people that is going to cost us money. It costs us money to fix roads. It costs us money to advertise the county. It costs us money to keep vehicle fleets. Do we stop doing those things just because it costs us money? I think the proper response would be to make sure that we're doing it fiscally responsibly, maybe getting the right administrative staff in there, maybe supporting some of the the working staff. There's other ways to provide for the people without using the caveat of it's costing us money, so we need to get rid of it. I think that's just uh, an easy way to push it off. And unfortunately, the people that suffer are those that are the ones needing the most help. One of the other issues uh, that we really have to deal with uh, in healthcare, which was 
flying under the radar, but is really a, a big concern to me. And after some of the things that have happened in our area is ambulance care and transportation. Uh, we have numerous areas of void for where it comes to getting proper ambulance service and in the time frame that's necessary to potentially save a life. We have some outstanding volunteer crews, but they're being pushed to the max. We have uh, the fact that EMS is not considered an essential service uh, in New York State is something that should be addressed. When you look at a county legislative form of government, the, the, the people that are part of that legislative body should be focusing on policy and procedure. We find ourselves in fighting with other members, trying to jockey for position instead of doing what's right for the county. And one of the things doing right is coming together formulating things that need to be corrected. And if we can't do it ourselves as a legislative body, we start need to go into some of our state representatives and potentially having them assist us. Here we are with EMS. We as a body of, of government should be lobbying to our state and federal representatives of let's start recognizing this as an essential service and then allow them to get together and start addressing some of the needs that'll help us. Here we are, we find ourselves 60 out of 62 counties in the healthcare rankings. We have to do something. We can't just keep sitting back and saying, ah, oh, this is terrible. We have to get together, we have to work together. And quite frankly, if we don't, we're only just gonna keep going deeper into the hole that we shouldn't be in the first place. Sullivan County relies heavily on tourism. We are the home of Woodstock. How do you plan to boost tourism while still address the concerns of some residents may have of who have been impacted by the increased visitor traffic that we've gotten over the past couple of years? So some of these things come up. It's a, a very thin line that you walk of where one person benefits and another person has uh, a setback. I think the only way to handle those type of things is just open, transparent transparency, communication with those that are involved. I think this area was built on tourism, and to think that without it we could survive is naive. It's the fact that we have such booming areas within the county, I think, quite frankly, is what keeps us afloat, whether it be Bethel Woods, whether it be uh, out in Calicoon and some of the summer festivals they have, or, or quite frankly, even if it's just uh, hunting seasons in some of the more uh, rural areas. Um, with Airbnbs and eateries and, and uh, those type of things, seeing increased traffic. We've always been built on that. Sullivan County back in the hotel days is what kind of put us on the map. But I also think that we need to invest in the people that are around here year-round because as we've seen in some of our local areas, such as, let's say, Liberty, for instance, Liberty was always what it was because of the hotels. And when the hotels packed up and left, there was a void that needed to be filled. And getting that back is very difficult when you don't have the amount of population that's necessary to keep a village or a town afloat. We do have some really big resurgence areas. We have Roscoe that's up and coming. We have Manor that's had a total resurgence. So those are the type of things that I think we should build on. I think it gives people opportunity as far as what we can do to capitalize, I would think that we just need to be willing to allow people to invest in their properties. Although this comes more at a local town ordinances, as far as businesses that are allowed in their residences, we as a county obviously couldn't overstep what the towns do, but we can sure make, make sure that we enhance them and, and support them if that's what they need to do. Once again, I'm very big on 
person-centered representation. So my district, which is District 3, is, is very different of the, the towns that I would represent. So obviously each one would be addressed a little bit differently, but I could only do as best as what would be directed by working within those local townships. Given that there is a scarcity of affordable housing or housing developments in rural areas, especially for low-income families, how do you plan to ensure continued accessibility to housing for all residents of Sullivan County? The housing issue is obviously not something that's new to Sullivan County. Obviously, it's a nationwide problem. Again, from a legislative form of government, there's not much that we would be able to do in the sense of overstepping our jurisdiction because that type of stuff is settled within towns and town zoning. Again, I would think it would be something where you would be the representative as far as bringing ideas to the county level and where we could support things. Now, there are some opportunities. I had a debate with Bold Gold Media, and one of the things that came up is to tend IDA to be more economic uh, business-driven. But I think that there is potential there to work together with uh, some housing developments to get some uh, abatements that come in to allow for construction. Uh, Obviously, the costs right now are super high. Uh, We did have a a boom during COVID where a lot of our inventory uh, was taken up by uh, Airbnbs, which, you know, is a thought where I've heard both sides of the coin of where it's taking up available housing. Um, The other is we shouldn't be telling people what they can and cannot do with their houses. Again, this is something that uh, falls within the townships of whether or not they regulate their Airbnbs and how they want to go about it. But that was a boom that happened because of a, uh, a pandemic that was not anticipated. So as a realtor, I know that um, inventory is very scarce, but I also know that due to the cost of construction, uh, it's very hard to get new housing in here. So there's got to be a break somewhere. So Uh, One of the things that we had done in Liberty was a 485i plan, which is something that's available for people to use. And although it wasn't for uh, brand new construction, what it did was a a tax abatement program that allowed for improvements to your property with a decrease in uh, increased assessment. So instead of getting the full assessment uh, as soon as you did the improvement, uh, it was a 10-year escalating costs. So 10% the first year, 20% the second year, and so on. That's something I think is where we could focus that if maybe that would help alleviate potential burden on a new builder, a new couple or developer. So I think there are things that could be done, but it just takes cumulative effort of all nine if it comes from a legislative body. Now, Sullivan County, unfortunately, has one of the highest opioid overdose rates in the state, excluding New York City. Do you believe the county is currently taking enough action to address this issue? And what additional measures do you believe can be implemented? And how do you plan to contribute to a positive change in this regard? I think that's a hot topic, obviously, of late. I will say I think there's areas of people within the county that are trying to make a change. But they are getting handcuffed when it comes to the leadership of the county. And and quite frankly, it's deplorable to think that it's acceptable to withhold monies for politicization and to have people grovel for the need 
when this is money that was not raised by taxes, this was a settlement when we're talking about the opioid monies that have been withheld from people that have devoted their life to to helping people in need and protecting people. So we have local police departments that are begging and pleading for the money that they're due. We have the district attorney begging and pleading for the money to do his job properly. We have Catholic charities claiming they need the money and they have not gotten it. We have Hope Not Handcuffs with their complaints that they've had at legislative meetings. And we sit back from a legislative body and we're told that they didn't fill out an RFP correctly. Are, are we serious? An RFP is a self-proclaimed procurement policy of the county. If, if we were that concerned, we would sit down together, figure out what needed to be done right, and work to start helping these people that are in need. To me, I cannot believe that we are in this type of ranking. We are, have the highest death per capita in New York State, and we're fighting over a, the way a piece of paper was filled out in order to get people hope. It's disgusting, and quite frankly, that's just another reason why it shows we need change when it comes to the leadership of this county, and we need to do better. We are the laughing stock of the state. We are not being looked at of, hey, here's a place I want to go live. We are looked at to see what's the next crazy thing that's going to happen here. And quite frankly, I did not choose to stay here and raise my family for what this place is turning out to be. So it's the only thing I could think of is to step up and provide quality leadership that listens to people, that allows the people that know their job way better than I would know how to do it, and allow them to perform the duties that they are entrusted with. And that's one of the first things I hope to achieve if I'm elected, is to start listening to the people that are directing their concerns to us, and giving them the resources they need to properly do their job. The opioid money is just one of the things that has uh, been brought to the attention as of late, but there's others when it comes to the chamber, bed tax money just sitting untouched, and all to have people begging and pleading just to do their jobs, quite frankly, is unfathomable to me that this is where we are at this juncture based on the conditions that we are in. So I hope to work towards a better Sullivan County. I hope to work with people and start to to show what we really could be. Because one of the other issues is when you have this type of infighting, when you have this type of breakdown between leadership and just people in the county, it doesn't make us a place that people want to go to. So we have to start doing better if we want to even start having people come in, if we want businesses to come in. A lot of people may not sit at these legislative meetings, but when you look at the thumbnail of how many people view these legislative meetings now that they're on Zoom and, and they're recorded, it's over a thousand. And that's just what's being picked up. People watch it together. Again, I had mentioned I was a realtor. I have people where I always question if we start hitting Ulster County or Delaware County. Hey, what about Liberty? What about Sullivan County? And they laugh. And they said, well, I'm not getting involved in that place. So we, our image is being shown more than people realize. And we just need to do a better job. Talking about the legislature, in recent years, it's been a noticeable 
noticeable increase in public disagreements and infighting among the members of the Sullivan Council Legislature. As you look to the future, what steps do you intend to take to address the issue and foster a better cooperation among your fellow legislators? I just think it's a, a sense of professionalism, quite frankly. I've sat on a board for 10 years, which has had all different types of personalities on it. It may be a contentious issue, but there's a way to address it. To First of all, you have to go in thinking, I cannot possibly know everything there is to know on this topic. You have to be open-minded and listen to what other people have to say, because your opinion can be slightly changed. We're put in here as a representative of X amount of people. Now, I know they're trying to keep it somewhere between the, the 8,000 uh, populace of, that you're representing. So you're not going in there as an elected official saying, this is what I want. And I think that's something that needs to be understood more. And when you're a student of government, like I was, and I'm been elected to represent people, that's one of the first things I do. I don't feel like I go to every board meeting in the town of Liberty saying, this is what I want. I go around, I ask people, I get an average, hey, what do you think of this topic that's coming up? So then you bring those concerns to the table. And then you listen to what the other table has to say. For the past couple of years, we've dealt strongly on I'm a Republican and you're a Democrat and you're a conservative and you're an independent. In my mind, we are not deciding national policy on a local level. We are representing people. And quite frankly, the people we're representing are struggling. We have so many other things that are affecting our daily lives. The last thing we need is this governmental breakdown when those are the people that are supposed to be helping us. So these people that put us in office are looking for us to speak for them. And when you get to this point of fighting because you have a 5-4 majority or a 7-2 seven, seven, majority, wh whichever that breakdown is, it shouldn't be based on majorities. It should be what best serves the people. And again, I think when you look at the form of government and the legislative form that we represent, obviously it would be different if we were in an executive form of government. And I think that's part of the problem. I think right now we have people acting like we're in executive forms of government and we're doing this on a legislative box. And we, it just doesn't work. If we're going to be in an executive form of government, let's get a referendum to the people to decide if we should go to an executive style form of government. I am 100% for that. I think single person responsibility it gives us a better seat at the table in Albany. I think it's you're elected countywide. You're not elected by a district. And then you may become chair and you're only the fourth highest total from the previous election. I think if you want to do a proper executive form of government, put it on the referendum and let the people decide. But you have this divide because I feel it seems everybody's jockeying for a position and you're just not listening to your fellow legislators. And which just, in my mind, not the way to, to conduct business. If you're elected and also Rob is also elected, you're both on the board and he wants to be chair, would you vote for him to be chair? After these last four years, I'm not in favor of Rob being chair. If Rob is elected, it would be up to him if he could get the votes he needs. I personally am not seeking chair if I get elected. I just have other things going on in my life. So my vote would go to the person I feel that could best represent the county in, in the forms of being an open ear. 
and a voice for the people and somebody that can conduct business in a professional, courteous manner, something that I feel has been lacking. Why should folks vote for you over your opponent? Again, I think one of the hard things is when you're running against somebody, why do you stand out of the other? And I've tried to run a very clean campaign. I think Mike is a very distinguished person uh, amongst his peers. And I personally think he's a good guy. I just think that I bring more to the table as far as being a voice and standing up against what I don't feel is right. I've never been a yes man. I feel that I'm extremely involved in the community. I run many different things for the Town of Liberty, big into the Parks and Rec program. I'm big into the youth organizations. I chair the Liberty Calvary Softball Baseball League, as well as working within the county between Sullivan West, Roscoe, Manor, and uh, Liberty for the same cause. I was on the CDC for Liberty, any the Chamber for Liberty. I'm just really interested in providing the best that I can by myself for the residents. I've sat on a predominantly Republican board for my 10 years in Liberty, and you've never heard a problem from our board as far as party lines go, because I feel I can listen and I can represent. I feel that I'm not strong-headed when it comes into a conversation. I feel that I personally am trying to represent everybody as fairly and equitably as possible. I'm not really concerned with political parties. I think from local elections, we should be running for the person and what they can do. There was some distension amongst the conservative party, which I normally get their nomination, that there was some chatter of how we were going to elect uh, representatives for that party. And ways that used to be done were not done this time. And basically, I didn't get that nomination over one person's vote. But how do you explain that to the masses if you're interested, whether it's Republicans, Democrats or conservatives, that the person that got the nomination got it because they were the better candidate? When you find out that only one person votes and there's ties to that person, I'm trying to I'm trying to appeal to the people that I think I can represent. I know there's been some talk about my slogan, which is more of a party line that I created, which is people over politics. And I stand fast to that because I really feel that we should be representing people and not jockeying ourselves due to some political fraction or above head pressure for us to make a decision one way or the other. I'm extremely neutral. I only want to represent the people. I did not seek a single endorsement for this election because I don't want to assume that I'm going to be swayed one way or the other before I even hear the issues that are at hand. I 100% work for the people and I want that message out there. And uh, I hope that's appealing to people and they choose to put me into office. We're talking to Brian McPhillips, who's running for District 3 in Lester. Thank you so much for joining us on the program and letting us know your thoughts on the issues. 